Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard It's episode number 25 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the finest Eric Roberts-related podcast co-hosted by a guy named Liam. <laughs> Speaking of which, say hello to my fantabulous co-host, Mr. Liam O'Donnell. Hello, Liam. Hello. Liam, I just noticed that I didn't introduce myself. My name is Doug Tilly. Yeah, and I was, I in that moment, I was going to say, oh, hi, Doug, So to sort of point that out. And then for half a second, I forgot what your name was. It just left my brain. This is the quality banter. That I was going to call you Canada Man for half a second, and then I decided I am. I am Canada Man, Liam. How has the last two weeks been treating you? Pretty good. I got a chance to see Green Room and to interview the director and the composers uh, of Green Room, and that was pretty great. Uh, I was. Cool. It was it when we were recording our most recent episode. I had mentioned how much I wanted to see Green Room. I, I think it was before we started recording. And you said that you were hoping to see it, but you didn't know if you were going to. And then, like, the next fucking day, you saw it. I, and, and, and interviewed the fucking director. Well, we got this last minute. In, so uh, a friend of mine was supposed to set up a screening. That fell through. So I thought my opportunity had fallen through to see it ahead of time. And we got an invite. And no one invites Cinepunks to do it. You know, we have, like, 500 listeners. You know, like... The media doesn't care about us, but we got an invite, <laughs> I guess, because we have punks in the name. They just were like, oh, this this is appropriate. So we got invited to see it and to talk to the director. I mean, it was like a half hour. It wasn't like I sat down for a long conversation with the director, but it was a quick interview. But they were very cool and it, it was cool. I was glad I got to do it. Liam? Yeah. Liam? Yeah. Two word review of Green Room. Uh, f- fucking brutal. Okay, that's that could be taken uh, as both a positive or negative. Oh, positive. Let me put it this way, actually. Uh, crazy intense. Yeah, that's good. All right, well, that could also... Okay, anyway, that's enough jibber-jibber. Today's guest on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is a comedian and playwright from right here where I am in the great white north. You might know him best as the writer and star of Win a Date with Dave Cave. It's Dave Cave. How are you today, Dave? Hello. Uh, good, yeah. I like how you said, like, you might recognize him from that because there was not a lot of people there but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you know what no people can recognize me from that explain to me dave cave what was or is win a date with dave cave? oh boy uh well i've done it i've done it twice it's kind of a traveling show i'm uh basically how it sounds i like the idea of dating reality shows so i just it's half stand-up i I make the audience fill out forms. I kind of do a mini screening process, dating process. I make them do challenges. And eventually I pick a winner. Now, what are the qualities that you're looking for in a romantic partner? Or maybe not romantic, but at least a dating partner. Um, oh boy, this, this is getting really, real, really fast. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we um, get real. You know what? Eric I, I, the fucking man. God, you know what? I don't have a type. I'll put mm. that out there. I don't have a type. I'm pretty open to it. Uh, someone who's fun, and I think in the case of the show, someone who's going to make a good story later. Some something that's so, something a little interesting. So it's more important that they're interesting than say that they're attractive or that they have a good personality. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. 
have, have in your in your two uh, sessions of this, have you had success getting a good story out of them? Uh, yeah, one story lasted for about six months. <laughs> oh my god! Well, this might surprise you, Dave Cave, but the person that you were referring to. They're on the line right now, so let's talk to... No, I'm just kidding. Oh, boy. That, that, that would have that been a great little twist. Well, it's you scared me because he is from where you are from as well, so that was... Very cagey way of describing where I'm from here in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Okay, I didn't, I didn't, know, if you, I didn't know how secret you were if you had like fans that Look, didn't want to know where you're from. If, if people want to track me down and kill me, they're going to do it. It's not, <laughs> there's nothing I'm going to be able to do well, to stop them. Unlike yourself, Dave Cave, I'm very easy to find. Which isn't to suggest that you haven't had your certain level of success. I just mean that my name, when you look it up, you find two things. Me and all the dumb shit I've done and some marriage counselor in the States. Wow. (laughs) You should bring him on this show. Actually, you know what? That would be a great idea because we do have some reality show-based programming starring Eric Roberts coming up on a future episode. But which brings us to the topic, Dave, of Eric Roberts. What do you know about Eric Roberts? Um... I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real I'm gonna be real with both of you because I feel like you're comfortable saying people. Uh-huh. Um, going into this podcast, my he w- I knew Eric Roberts as the guy who did the voice in the Talking Cat. Okay, that's actually you are several steps above at least half of the guests that we've had. <laughs> Eric Roberts, the fucking man. Okay, and I knew him as uh, Julia Roberts' brother. Mm-hmm. And I knew him as he was in The Expendables. That's right. He was. We just covered just that on the that last episode. episode yeah. Um, and those that you know what? In terms of three things to know about Eric Roberts, those are three big ones. I will say that I do have a Eric Roberts Google alert, as I mentioned quite often on the show. Yeah. And one of the things I find is on social media, people are constantly saying Eric Roberts is Julia Roberts' brother, <laughs> and it's it's like they've like honestly, people are finding that out every single day. But uh, I want to just put it right out there at the beginning of this episode, number 25 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Yes, Eric Roberts is Julia Roberts' brother. Another fact learned. Yeah, I think that I thought that was like the number one thing that people know about Eric Roberts. Well, uh, here's the other thing. A lot of people don't know who Eric Roberts is. Yeah, that's true. I can say that with as much confidence as probably anyone on the planet not named Eric Roberts because I'd have to tell people on the street – Sometimes randomly, but often within people I do know. And uh, and I'll say, I host a podcast about Eric Roberts, and their response will be, who is Eric Roberts? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Did, so you just approach people on the street? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> you know, Billy, Billy Eichner style, I track them down and throw them against the wall, and I'm like, I host a podcast <laughs> about Eric yeah. Roberts. You know what? And, then their, and their immediate response is, who's Eric Roberts? Yes, that's right. And also get away from me. <laughs> I don't know who should be more insulted. You are Eric Roberts. We love Eric Roberts. We have a podcast about okay. him. <laughs> we bring on people who are experts and know three things about him, including that he was the voice of a talking cat. Oh, that, mm-hmm. I can't even laugh about that. Well, something you will be able to laugh about, Dave, okay. is are the two films that you've chosen for us to watch today. Uh, I'm going to just reveal what they are right now because we're yeah. going to have a lot to say about the two of them. Wow. First is 2006's Fat Girls with a Z. And then we're going to follow that up a little bit later with Chicks Dig Gay Guys from 2014. Now, what about these two titles made them interesting for you to possibly talk about on this podcast? Uh, the fact that it was called Chicks Dig Gay Guys and Fat Girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those titles are... I'll I'll tell you, when you decided upon them, 
I was very excited because of the titles. And then a certain level yeah. of reality sunk in <laughs> while I was watching them. <laughs> you know what, though? And in, in, I hate when movies have just vague one word. You know, there's like adaptation or, or the, the reckoning or the reason. Or Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love direct movie titles that you, you know what you signed up for. You get what you signed up for. You know what I mean? No, I know what you mean, and you're exactly right, because I'll tell you, um, and I don't like to to use these words, but Fat Girls has fat girls in it, and literally every scene is about, like, these girls and how they're fat. Yeah. Right? I think, I think yeah. though, I think for, for, for the listeners who are not visually looking, let's clarify, it's fat with a PH here. And yeah, I, 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 I think we're yeah. far enough from that time that for some people... That is a vague and confusing title because I'm not sure that the puff fat is quite in the current lingo the way it was at the time. Well, and they explain it in the movie. They do. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm sure that actually, now that I think about it, the movie came out a good eight years after that yeah. term was actually mm. relevant anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, when Martin Lawrence has added it to our national lexicon. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we will get into the details of both Fat Girls mm-hmm. and Chicks Dig Gig, guys. But right now, we need to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. That's right. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 25. And so much important, exciting Eric Roberts news has happened in the world over the past two weeks. The number, well, I'm going to say the number two most important piece of news is that Eric Roberts was interviewed by RottenTomatoes.com. No, I don't know why. Actually, I do. It's because he has a movie coming out that we'll mention in just a little bit. But one of the things they asked, in fact, the only thing they asked was what was Eric Roberts' favorite five movies? So this is amazing. Like, this is incredibly important for this show. In fact, I kind of feel like we should cover an episode where we just watch Eric Roberts' five favorite movies and try to see if we both <laughs> feel the same yeah. about these movies as he does. And that would be a very easy thing to do because I know uh, most of these movies very well. So let me just go over them very quickly. Eric Roberts' five favorite movies are Forgetting Sarah Marshall, pretty funny movie, Harold and Maude, classic cult comedy, National Lampoon's, Lampoon's Animal House, which not only is a uh, very well-known, very well-respected and beloved comedy, but also features Eric Roberts' wife in a part and his stepson, because she was pregnant at the time. Three Days of the Condor, very famous movie, and also co-wrote by one of Eric Roberts' uh, stepfathers. And to round out the five, 2002's Unfaithful, starring Richard Gere. Which is not a good movie. And I don't know why he decided to put that. Look, I don't want to generalize, but it's not good. And, you know, it, I, it really doesn't fit in with this strange list of three comedies and one kind of thriller. And then Unfaithful is on it. So this does beg the question, Dave Cave. What is your five favorite movies? Oh, boy. Yikes. Uh- yeah, I'll go back to you in just a second, Dave. Liam, what are your five favorite movies? Uh, can I can I just say uh, Straw Dogs five times? Is that can really? I no? Is, not do you at see all. See yourself as the Dustin Hoffman character in Straw Dogs. 
Um, no. Have you moved? Now you did move, right, with your wife? I did. I did. If if I was gonna if I was gonna pick a character from that kind of movie, I'm probably mm-hmm. I'm probably the uh, Puerto Rican fellow that uh, uh, Charles Bronson kills in every Death Wish. Oh, that's probably <laughs> me, actually. What you don't, what, what you can't tell when you're watching is that he's half Puerto Rican, half Irish. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I always assume, you know. No, uh, five five favorite movies. That's a tough. Yeah, it's impossible, which is why I've thrown it at you. With I mean, and honestly, you're gonna regret whatever you say. So just say five yeah. movies okay. right now. So on the waterfront, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, three colors blue. Uh, that's uh, not good enough for you, huh? No, blue's the one. That's the one. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, they live. Okay. <laughs> I know. Everyone's whenever I say that, people are like, okay. Uh I think it might be the order that you put them in, but okay. Oh, this is a random order. This is not an order of importance. Okay. That's fine. Uh Ikiru? Is that the name of it? The 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 Kurosawa film? Yeah, the Kurosawa film. Um mm-hmm. and um fuck. Let's round it out. Oh fucking fuck. Come on, Liam. Uh I don't Something know. Punk. So what's punk? something Repo Man? How about that? There you go. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Decline of American Civilization Part Western One. Western Civilization. Come on, Doug. Western Civilization. I don't know. I'm no punk. Oh, okay. I'm from fucking Canada. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dave. Dave, over to you. I've given you a little bit of time to think about it. Let's rush through your five favorites. Okay, I've been scribbling down like a Jeopardy <laughs> contestant in the final round here. Um, number one. Well, again, not in any order. Uh, ba- mm-hmm. Baby Boom. Okay. There was a movie in 1987 where Diane Keaton plays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know this movie? <laughs> oh, I know it. As soon as you said Diane Keaton, it clicked for me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, it is, I love it because it was one of those movies that wasn't that bad that it became a cult or anything. It wasn't that good that it didn't get accolades. It just kind of happened. It's amazing that when you said uh, Baby Boom, I did know exactly what you meant. Yeah. But I first thought Mr. Mom instead, even though yeah. because it came around out around the same time, and it has someone with the last name Keaton. Yeah, and I I had a <laughs> summer where I lived in Toronto, where you know how some people listen to a song on repeat. I watch that movie on repeat. Oh wow! Almost every day, and it's like my personal Rocky Horror Picture Show. With I know the sounds and the things and the lyrics and the moments, and you know, do you not, have dances too? What? Do you have dances too? Uh, not yet. Okay. Yeah, we can work on it. Yeah. This is... So that's one of them. Um, 2001 Space Odyssey. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put down Birds. Or The Birds. The Birds? Oh, the Birds. Sorry for the... <laughs> and then... Um... Not Birdemic. I thought no, it been no, Bird. no. I, I want to see that. <laughs> um, and then Fame. Fame? Fame. Oh, Fame is so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, you really seemed invested in Dave's picks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I was listening. I no, no, no. The I well, oh, yes. Because I find this so difficult. I actually find mm-hmm. people's like five movie lists very fascinating because it's like I don't, you know, how do any of us choose five movies? Like it's right. impossible. Well, it's also, well, I sorry. It also reveals like it's a really intimate thing to reveal because it kind of reveals like these are the values and morals that are important to me. Well, I'm just going to, before we move on, I'm just going to say quickly my five favorites. Yeah. They are Forgetting Sarah Marshall, <laughs> Harold and Maude, National Lampoon's Animal House, Three Days of the Condor, yeah. and this is a surprising one, Unfaithful from 2002. Perfect. Uh, it's not bad. Moving on. <laughs> 
Fort Worth televangelist reprises his role as an Italian crime boss whose life changes after converting to Christianity in Rally L.A., Breaking the Curse, which is currently in select theaters. But I'll tell you, I bet most of the people listening right now will not be able to find it. <laughs> it is the second movie of a trilogy. Uh, I don't know what the first one's called, and I'd have never heard of it before, but I do know that the second features Mr. Eric Roberts, some guy who's a televangelist. And uh, the, the the very brief plot I just gave to you would suggest that it might be a faith-based movie, but who knows? Rally LA Breaking the Cursed uh, Curse stars Golden Globe and Oscar nominee Eric Roberts, director and evangelist Rick Reyna, familiar Fort Worth televangelist Kenneth Copeland, actress Sophia Adela Luke, I guess that's her name, and Sharon Garrison from Drop Dead Diva. Keep your eyes out, and of course keep your ears out for our future episode covering... Rally LA, Breaking the Curse. Uh, we'll, of course, bring more news about that in the future. But this is something a little more interesting. There was a recent interview, again, another interview with Eric Roberts, because he is currently uh, promoting the film Compadres. Now, Liam, you watched the trailer for Compadres, correct? I did, I did. Now, Compadres is currently, um, I think it's actually currently on DVD, Blu-ray. I think it just got uh, its release. Either that or it's it's currently having a short <laughs> theatrical run. But because of that, Eric Roberts is doing a lot of promotion for it. In this interview, the uh, which was very obviously done via email, it's one of those ones where <laughs> questions that should have follow-ups never have them, and sometimes he just ignores whatever was being asked entirely. Um, but there are some interesting questions that were asked, and the most interesting, this is why I said the first bit of news, his five favorite movies, was the second most important piece of news this week. He ends this interview by having the interviewer say, what do you have coming up next that you're excited for people to see? And Eric Roberts answers, I actually had fun doing the Stock to Buy My Doctor series for Lifetime. Wow. Now, uh, Dave, this might surprise you, but a few episodes ago, we watched... Two Lifetime movies starring Eric Roberts. One of them uh, was called Fatal Desire and was not very good. And the other one was called Stalked wow. by My Doctor. And it was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> you guys are heroes. It, 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 look, there's nothing heroic about watching Stalked by My Doctor. Everybody should. It was so <laughs> goofy and fucking weird. Yeah. And, and I mean, it just was. And it just has Eric Roberts going crazy the entire Is time. It was a real... It, he is the doctor. Yeah. He is the, the doctor in the movie, and he is a mo emotionally very unstable. And uh, about like five times throughout the movie, he'll have like little breakdowns where he just loses his mind. One of them involves him having an American Girl doll, and he's holding it while looking into a mirror. And then he just rips it to shreds yeah. because he's crazy. And he's stalking a young woman because he's out of his mind. But anyway, it does set up the possibility of a sequel at the end of that movie. And Liam, it does look like we might be getting another one because he says the word series. I know. I thought maybe that was a misstatement. But now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh. But I I, I am confused how you make a whole series out of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm wondering. Well, two, two movies is a series. Okay, so that's you. You just feel like it's a sequel. It's not like not a, like a TV series. I didn't know if it was like a mini series or something. Maybe they really stretched this shit out. Oh, I don't, I'm oh, not sure, Liam. Liam, do not taunt me with that. <laughs> amazing. Don't idea. get me wrong. Stalk by my doctor. It's a real gift. It's a real gift to the it, masses. But uh, well, but I don't know maybe, how much more. Maybe, well, there's more because for, if you might recall as well that uh, the Lifetime Network has had many stalked by my uh, style what? films over the past couple. Of, oh yeah, they've had like um, if you look up actually the guy who directed Stalked by My Doctor the year before directed a movie called Stalked by My Neighbor, 
which instead of a person being stalked by their doctor, my understanding is that they were stalked by a neighbor instead. But there's also like uh, they have a whole series of movies about things that happen to people when they're 18. It's like I'm 18 and pregnant, right? Yeah. Of course. But then it's like I'm stalked because I'm 18 or <laughs> I, I got in a car. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of shit. Like I got locked in a basement because I'm 18. And that's the kind of stuff that Lifetime does now. And I have to say, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm enjoying this <laughs> weird camp <laughs> attitude that they're taking to material that does not reflect reality. I'm not going to spoil too much for you, Dave. Okay. But Stalked by My Doctor <laughs> involves Eric Roberts faking the death of the person he's stalking, kidnapping her and tying her to his bed, her escaping, and then crashing her own funeral. Oh, that that's too much. It's too much, but it's just enough. It's too much, it's but just also, enough too much. Can I ask you, so do you have uh, do you have a full subscription or whatever to the Lifetime channel? Boy, I wish I could say yes to that. But the thing is, outside of this movie, yeah. this one movie that I've seen, actually now two movies, that I've seen and semi-enjoyed, one of them I have enjoyed, uh, the rest of the programming on the network doesn't really interest me at all. Doesn't speak to you. Doesn't speak to me. However, I'm saying that without really knowing what's on the Lifetime Network. Liam O'Donnell, do you have cable? I do not. Hmm, you've uh, cut the cord. I just don't... <laughs> I have to be saying cut the cord. I pay for too many other things to now pay for cable. It's No, that's not worth my time. you got to go to your punk concerts. <laughs> it's always got to be something like that with you, huh? Choose, choose one. Is it the cable or the <laughs> punk concert? That's right. That's right. Your punky concert. The other thing that was asked to Eric Robertson's interview is, looking back on your impressive career, you've played some very powerful and intriguing characters. What do you feel has been your greatest role? And if we were able to convince Eric Roberts to be on this podcast, maybe I'd ask him what his greatest role would be. And he would answer something like this. I have loved so many of my roles. <laughs> I love all comedy, especially compadres. Now that is a company man. Mm-hmm. I loved doing Final Analysis, Star 80, and It's My Party. So if you're looking for the, the trifecta of quality Eric Roberts, it's Final Analysis, Star 80, and It's My Party. No Pope of Greenwich Village there. Hmm. Surprising. Yeah, that is surprising. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2017's Fatties, Take Down the House. <laughs> yeah, I want to know more about this. Well, I'll tell you more about it. It's described as... A cross between Animal House, one of Eric Roberts' favorite movies, and the Revenge of the Nerds franchise, which is the probably the best 80s comedy that involves a nerd raping some woman and then her being okay with it afterwards. The story takes place on a sunny college campus where four rather large and socially challenged freshmen encounter the wrath of the powerful Delta Pi fraternity. And you know, fat guys like Pi. This college comedy rump fest, rump fest. What? Jesus. Yeah, I I read that and I I stopped. I wondered. I wrote it down. I spun in a circle and fell down again because this rump college... fest is not a term. Well, I guess they don't have rump fests in Canada. That's a really common thing here. Well, I mean, I've heard of rump springer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I guess there's just like a lot of asses that would suggest that, right? Maybe it's because these fatties have such big asses. Okay, I'm sure it harkens. <laughs> Sorry. To say a rump fest means that it's either a festival of rumps, or it's just <laughs> there's. Uh, I I don't know. And then I thought maybe they meant to say romp, 
like a comedy oh romp. a comedy romp but then it would just be romp or fest right i i'm sure someone just heard the term romp before and just doesn't know what it means or how to spell it and got confused and things you know well it harkens back to the national lampoon's production model the story takes a hilarious <laughs> and wild turn when our four freshmen decide to take to seek revenge and take down the <laughs> frat house they're gonna take down the house and it's from the writer of 2011's Stonerville, which featured Polly Shore as a character named Rod Hardbone. So you know that Fatty's Take Down the House is going to be good. Look for it in 2017. I know I will be. Uh, enjoy the Fatties and their ample rumps. But now we have to take our first break. Speaking of rumps, we need to uh, come back and talk about 2006's Fat Girls, P-H-A-T, starring Monique, join us in just a moment. plus-size ladies meet the men of their dreams in the most unexpected of ways. Yes, starring Oscar winner Monique. It's 2006's Fat Girls, which is a comedy. Um, and really, all you need to know about it is in the title. It, uh, I have to say, I wasn't particularly impressed by Fat Girls, just because every scene is, a, is about exactly the same thing. Monique, who is a, a larger woman, she's fully figured, um, she is... Basically, uh, hated by the entire world, but she always gets one back on him because she is smart and she has personality and she's able to express herself. But what she's missing is, I guess, self-confidence, confidence in her ability to design uh, plus-size clothing for women. So what she needs to do is to be shown love by a guy from Nigeria, a doctor, who, uh, who then she suspects might be cheating on her, and, but he wasn't. And she does get that confidence, and she does uh, make Eric Roberts produce her plus-sized line of clothing. And then there's like a super happy ending, and I'm not sure what we learned at the end of it. So I'm going to have to ask both of you what that might be. Let's start with our guest, Dave Cave. Dave, what did you think of 2006's Fat Girl? Well, I'd like to direct how when you were describing the movie, when you said it's a comedy, your voice kind of caught on that word. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you kind of said, comedy? Comedy? Yeah, there was a question mark uh, implicit in my, in my pronunciation of comedy. There was a question mark in the center of it, much like a talking cat. Uh-huh. And I feel, I don't know if that's a trend in Eric Roberts' movies to leave you guessing and wondering of the tone of the movie. He doesn't, he doesn't allow us just to, just to pinpoint 
his movies into a genre. They just they cross over. Yeah, is what it's, I'm trying. it's a very you know European art house kind of mode of it. But um, I I think <laughs> by the I I I don't know if she, she's not a likable character. No, and I wanted no, she's to. Not. She's she's not likable. Nope, she is not likable. That is. 100% the case. And I think when you have a main character that is so... Listen, I wanted to like this movie. any Because any movie with... Uh, are, we, are we saying plus-sized, fat, P-H-A-T? You can, you can say whatever you okay, want. When, when... We put no limitations, though we might say, oh, you can't say that word after you say okay. something. Well, okay. Well, I, I think any, any movie with... Uh, uh, plus size woman of color in the lead. I a hundred percent wanted to get behind and support and like absolutely, and especially with uh, um, a black female director behind this. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that's uh, not, not, not good. Mm-mm. No, it, it is not. It's <laughs> not good. It's confusing. I she was violent. She was aggressive. She, um, you know, at that point when you when you said that she. When you were describing the plot of the movie, I was like, oh, thank God I have a recap right now. <laughs> it all came flooding back, I bet, as I was going through it. Well, the question I have for you guys is when she, okay, when she is at the buffet having a date for herself and <laughs> piling on, like, it, it is cartoony, the amount of food that she has on her plate. And I, I don't believe that we needed to see that, not because I was grossed out. But because it was just such an over exaggeration of how much a, any person like she is, she had a tray of seven plates. <laughs> it well, she didn't want to have to go back again. But it, I, can, I can relate. To but that. it is weird when the movie ostensibly, to some extent, seems to be affirming uh, uh-huh. large women to have such uh-huh. an extended seed where the joke is, "Look at how much I'm going to eat." It's like, yeah. uh, really? And that's not the only one. I mean, again, no, there's is, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a like a constant stream of reinforcing the very stereotypes yeah. that people uh, seem to be throwing at her throughout the movie. Well, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but there's incredible parallels of uh, representation of stereotypes within this movie and our other movie. Uh huh. Get so warped in a hallway of mirrors that you you don't know which way you're going. There's there's two things I want to say before I get to your thoughts on it, Liam, because I know you want to defend it as strongly as you possibly can. Um, the first thing is that there's a scene in this movie where Monique's character, who works at a ladies' clothing st- uh, shop, she sees a white woman go into the plus-size clothing area, and this woman that she sees is overweight, and her and her friend mock her for waddling while she walks, which seems to really just kind of undo the whole point of the whole fucking movie, That because they seem to be as mean and uh, unnecessarily brutal as all of the people who are making them feel bad. It means that they're the bullies in that scene. Very, very strange direction to go in. Also, the kind of central idea of the movie as well is if you show off more of your body because you are more self-confident, then you can find uh, a man who's going to love you for you, as long as culturally that's okay with him. And But he has to be in super good shape. Like, that is super important, <laughs> right? Yeah. They don't, like, for them, it's okay, right? And I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying that this is what this movie has to say. The men that are uh, that are uh, 
fawning over Monique and her friend in this movie are all very attractive, uh, well-built men. And that just seems like kind of a weird uh, message to be sending out when they're trying to say about uh, about having like a positive self-image and self-confidence. Liam, what did you think of Fat Girls? So I guess I went in, as soon as I saw, you know, Fat Girls with a PH starring Monique, my expectations mm-hmm. were like dirt low. Like maybe not... <laughs> Like maybe not quite uh, Dark Moon Rising low, uh, but definitely way low. And I gotta say, that's a, that's a story, Liam. Not to interrupt you, but you you should have said Oscar winner Monique because she, of course, won the Oscar for Best Supporting Please Actress. Please remember for, that mm-hmm, for Precious, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. But yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> I <laughs> I definitely had no expectations, and I guess for me, so I don't I don't want to you know reference our other discussion too much, but I, I will say uh, this movie, though, I think it's very poorly executed. I do think it's made with some small amount of good intentions. I think mm-hmm. like it doesn't mean it, it, it does want in some sense to affirm uh, larger women. Uh, yes. Uh, I think it fails at that uh, for many mm-hmm. of the reasons y'all have already said, but I think it has good intentions uh, in that way, which I found that's fine. That's okay. And uh, I really liked, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more, but I really liked Eric Roberts' little <laughs> moment. I like. I was like, yeah, that's right. Fuck that dude. Like, I, I, I like that. And there were like, not many, but maybe like three or four jokes in the movie that kind of worked for me. And I will say, this is the major difference I'm realizing. Unlike y'all, I did not dislike the character. Now, that is interesting, because wow. I was just going to say... If you like the character, that would really turn things around. If she's a likable, like if she isn't the kind of person who, when someone calls her uh, fat while she's ordering an obscene amount of food at a fast food restaurant, and then she starts saying like, you're so ugly jokes while the guy does you're so fat jokes at her. And the guy's jokes are really bad, but hers are really bad too. And we're supposed to think that she is hilarious and everyone in the whole fucking place is laughing their asses off at how great and amazing she is. It's hard then to find out why later she needs help in her self-esteem because it seems like she always gets one over on everybody. See, I don't I I think that's to me for me that felt real. That uh the people I know <laughs> that, that that moment felt real. Didn't no, it? no, like <laughs> 100% not in the sense of like how over the top it was, but the idea that folks who are dealing with massive amounts of insecurity find other sure. ways to deal with that insecurity yeah. and and I thought about many of the people I know who have very sharp tongues and the i guess what it boils down to too and you know this is again it's my stereotype but i feel like Mm -hmm. i'm from a place where people are always generally rude to each other and that's just normal like everyone is rude and that's just what people do and philadelphia yeah oh yeah without a doubt that's like the normal thing you're very you're very kind if someone's in need you help them but if someone's in your way on the street you probably curse them out that's just normal that's what normal people do and uh and so like watching it I, that didn't bother me what bothered me was like a that the moments where she could have like the problem for me in that scene is not that she like cut this dude up i was like yeah you tell that guy it was exactly the other thing you mentioned why are these jokes so bad like this did <laughs> like awesome i would have been like yeah all right i would have been right there with her if even a single one of her jokes about this dude had been funny none of them were funny but the idea that like some of her worst moments the film i think pointed out a little bit that this was coming from her feeling bad about herself which is like 
not deep or anything, but for a movie called fucking Fat Girls, it actually is kind of deep. Like, for the level I had at this movie, which is like, this is going to be like some dumb, not even college level shit. The fact that, like, there was actually a feeling of like, oh, she needs to deal with her feelings about herself. It's so, like, childish psychology, but it's more than I expected at all that I didn't hate the movie. Now, to be fair... There is, there is, there is certainly a vague arc yeah, to her character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and, and the parts that were, like, some of the parts that were particularly bad were funny bad. Now, there are lots of things that were bad that were not funny bad, and I just suffered through. But there are a couple of things where I was like, oh, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like, that's what we're going to do? Okay, sure, let's do that. That's fine. Now, Dave Cage... Yeah. There's a song from the 1980s by a band called the Weather Girls, and it goes, it's raining men, hallelujah. And in the music video for that song, it's about these uh, overweight women, and they're being surrounded by these beautiful men that are raining down upon them. And I, while watching Fat Girls, I thought it was like a 90-minute adaptation of that Weather Girls video. Wow. Well, um, it's funny you mention that because I, I, I a lot of the songs um, – kind of seemed like I, I felt like there was a song in there that they tried to get the rights to it's raining men because no duh but they couldn't get the rights so they sent that song to the music department and said can you just make a song that sounds like this there you go and there's a few songs in there that like there was an it sounds like oh this sounds like an eve rap song in 2006 but it's not eve you know there was always i every time i heard a song i thought oh this sounds like oh it's not oh it's not the song that i know I do think Brick House is in there. Isn't that correct, Liam? Uh, yes, but I, I, I have to agree. Brick House would be the only, re- at least for me, the only recognizable song. And a couple mm-hmm. of the songs were in their own way thematically. Like there was a couple uh, hip hop songs where they were rapping about thick girls, and it was it was a little weird. Some of the music, honestly. Something about romantic, something I can't remember. But let's talk about Doctor Tunde Jonathan from Nigeria in the movie. He is a perfect man <laughs> to the point the, to the point where, I mean, again, it's a little unfair of us to be too critical because, let's face it, there are so many movies um, with, with traditional, traditional, sorry, I, I don't mean even to use that word, very um, stereotypical straight relationships at their core where the, um, where the woman has absolutely no flaws that, is, that she's presented, you know, the manic pixie dream girl type uh, yeah. ideal that are in so many movies. And in this movie, it's turned around. This guy has no personality. He ser- like he exists only to serve her needs and be perfect at it all. He's a doctor for fuck's sake. And at the end, like this is part at the very end of the movie where she thinks that maybe while, you know, she was like an asshole to him and he went back to Nigeria, that he went and had a kid and because his housekeeper comes to the door and she's got a child and and she kind of um she has difficulty explaining herself because she doesn't know English very well. But then we find out that the doctor did not have sex with the housekeeper or the woman that's in his house. And he's actually single. So they can have a relationship. And they even tease us with some hardcore triple X action right before the closing credits. Uh, It's just very interesting to see a character that is so blandly perfect um, in a movie like this, just because it's not something, maybe I just don't watch a lot of, romance style films or romance comedies that are very strictly designed to appeal to women. Well, I, uh, sorry, I just wanted to mention with that ending. I mean, I just, for the viewers at home listening, um, they, they just up and fly to Africa. Yeah. They just 
pick up their things and fly to Africa. And I wrote down the quote where they finally meet each other. And he kind of says like, oh, and he's so calm about this. He's, you know, he's kind of, oh, why did you get here? And she says, I didn't think you'd take my call. And to which he replies, I never stopped thinking about you. He didn't say, you know, email is an option. <laughs> well, and also, ladies, if you didn't think he'd take the call, he's probably not going to answer the door when you fly to a different continent. But he did. Yep. Because he's the perfect man. I should mention that uh, the director of this film, uh, I'm, I'm going to destroy the pronunciation of her name, but it's Ningest Like. Um, her latest film is called Everything But a Man. And the plot summary of that is, a successful career woman has a life-changing romance with a mysterious man from another culture whose lifestyle differences challenge her firm-held beliefs on love, relationships, and what it means to be a strong woman. And guess what? You could put that fucking plot summary on Fat Girls. It's exactly the same movie. Yeah, she's got she's got. But, a... but Doug, these girls are fat, though. You're forgetting that's, oh. that's well, the most I don't important know. part. Everything but a man might also involve some fat girls. I'm not 100% sure. Um, also, Modique's friend, she wasn't she wasn't that overweight. She just wasn't letting it all hang out, right? No, I mean, this is this is the thing that I actually was thinking a little bit in that. I mean, one, this whole topic is hard because I actually really – I really appreciate the idea of, like, we should affirm all body types sure. or whatever, whatever. But there is, like – You know, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Liam. It's interesting that Monique would – just three years later, go on to make a film that that was much better at affirming people and yeah. and uh, and showing the kind of abuse that people actually suffer from, yeah. and and done in a much smarter and much more relatable way. Well, and I think this wasn't. I mean, we. Keep, I don't want to push it. I don't want to critique it like it was. It's a. It's like a uh, like an ideological film. Like I, this is definitely a, a supposed to be funny, and I think I focus on the issue it kind of deals with because it's not that funny. It's it mostly not funny actually. So therefore, I'm like thinking about well, is it actually affirming? But I don't think you make a movie called Fat with a PH Girls, and you're like, this is really going to accomplish something in the world. Like, I don't, I don't think it, it's like a message from. But so, but like, I, I do think when it comes to questions of like body type and shape and things like that, there is a variety. And I, and I kind of thought like, you know, I, I appreciated that they showed that variety in the movie. But with her friend, I kind of thought like, well, does she? I mean, maybe she thinks she's like, you know, right. she, but she's not really that overweight. Like. To me, that her body type was, you know, fine. But then again, like, you know, who cares what I, you know what I mean? Like, but also, also, all the skinny women in the movie are all complete. These skinny bitches in the motherfucking club are all really awful. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, so it, it is not, I mean, again, I understand where it's coming from. And you're right, uh, Liam, at the core of this movie, there is, it's trying to say something very, very positive. And you can tell they started with the germ of an idea that made a lot of sense, right? This woman who, uh, who has a lot of personality, but is um, at, at her core, someone who's very uh, sensitive because of things that she suffered through during her childhood and a lot of people mocking her and making fun of her because of her weight. And then she has to find that self-confidence. And that's another thing I had trouble with. Her affirmation comes from the fact, it has to come from a man. And isn't that horseshit? Well, yeah, I, that's. I disagree because I think I liked the I liked the end of this movie because I think her affirmation well her affirmation comes from throwing a mannequin out of a window. 
you're actually right. You know, at its, you're right because in fact she loses the man and has to find it in herself. Though it does come from <laughs> like a, a, a quote from the man ringing in her head as a realization: "Hey, I can do this. This is within myself already." But I do like how I, I was going to say that she did the fashion line on her own, but she also had the help from Mr. Eric Roberts in that. So yeah, this is a great transition. <laughs> To Mr. Eric Roberts, the star of 2006, that <laughs> girl, uh, Liam O'Donnell, how much Eric Roberts do we get in this movie? I mean, that's got to be like four minutes, right? Which is like, you know, that's pretty good for one of these movies. Like, I don't know. He's at he's at the beginning of the movie. He's in there for, you see him. He doesn't say anything to the camera, but you see him. And then he's got this one. The thing is, is that it, it's a nothing scene. Like, it's just like, you know, it's, it's short, whatever. But it's so important to the plot. And he gets to be like, he gets to really cut up this dude who's such a dick that like, for some reason... I got stoked on it. I was super yeah. stoked. I was like, yeah, you tell that dude, man. And I don't know why, because there, there's like no other moment in the film that I found as fulfilling as Eric Roberts having one like mean line to that guy. I did think he was going to be an asshole. And when he ended up not being one, I was like, hey, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> not what I was expecting. Yeah. Because, because just to explain to people, Eric Roberts plays the owner of the clothing line or the clothing, I guess, franchise. Uh, in which Monique works. And she wants to get her uh, designs of plus-size clothing to Eric Roberts so he can see what kind of talent she has. But she's kind of stopped by her manager, who's a complete asshole. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, or near the end, she gets that confidence and is pushes past this fucking dick. And Eric Roberts sees these designs, and he immediately flips for them and basically says, you know, I'm going to make you a millionaire <laughs> by, by putting these in all my stores. And also... He, uh, he tells the guy that, hey, how come you didn't show these to me before? Why were you keeping these from me? Which uh, suggests that that guy's not going to be getting his big promotion or something along those lines. Uh, so Eric Roberts ends up being a good guy and helps Monique find her center uh, and find her confidence that she needed. That was really within herself all, all along. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie, Dave Cave? Um, I... Well, I like that how when he's first introduced on the screen, he's referred to as that man over there, which was like... <laughs> Should be the name of his autobiography. <laughs> that man over there, who is the brother of Julia Roberts. <laughs> Eric Roberts, that man over there. Some sort of a stage play. So I noticed that he was introduced as that. Um, I felt, uh, he also, I kind of have a sense that when she was doing the fashion show, he did an interesting choice where he took his two fingers and kissed his two fingers and then touched his heart. <laughs> That seemed like something that he might actually do in real life. And yeah. then he did that slow, I call it dad smile, of just that slow, glowing smile as if he's seen like some, his child do something really proud. Mm. I like that there's, like, the guy who owns this female clothing franchise, he just goes to this mall sometimes to take his phone calls and stuff. <laughs> he's just hanging out. Yeah. Oh, everything seems to be in order here. <laughs> I guess I'll go back to wherever I go. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts? Oh, like I said, great. Great, 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 great. I mean, here's the thing about it. 
I was so ready for him to be a dick until the moment came up. And I'm like, well, he can't be a dick. This is like the emotional climax of the movie. Right? He's got to be nice to her. And then not only is he nice, but he's got the corniest. I, I don't know what it was about this line where he looks at the guy and he's like, because the guy says, I don't know, some condescending thing a white boss would right. say. He's like, oh, you know, she shows some promise. And Eric Roberts like looks at him like he's puked out of his face hole. And he's just like, <laughs> she's arrived. And I was like, what the That's fuck? Right. <laughs> First of all, what is that? even mean second of all he says it with such confidence and the dude literally looks like eric roberts just punched him in the dick it was amazing <laughs> i was just i don't know why like i said no part of the movie was as effective for me as that one moment and i mean her life monique's life immediately changes because yeah. he's like yeah in a year you know you're gonna have your own fashion show and then we're gonna put it all over the world and so i guess that allows her to have the financial uh, independence to then just fly to Africa because she feels like it. Just go. This movie is saying, if you need affirmation, first win a contest that gives you a all-expenses-paid vacation for, <laughs> I guess, a month. <laughs> so you can develop a relationship with this magical doctor. And then, then sell because you actually are really talented and you really are good at designing clothes and you really had it within yourself all along, you just need to push past your boss and get it to the guy who owns the entire company. And then, <laughs> then throw a mannequin out a window. Then throw a fucking mannequin out a window. It'll make your dreams come true. Liam O'Donnell is Eric Roberts, the fucking man in 2006's Fat Girls. He's he's got a little sliver, but what what he's got, he he works it. I'm gonna go with the man. All right, Dave Cave. What do you think? The fucking man, or no? In Fat Girls. Um, because. Because I've also seen him in this next movie. In this movie, he was not. Oh my goodness! Ooh, descent here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But that's okay. We we allow all viewpoints. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna fall safely in the middle and say that Eric Roberts. It's almost too small of a part to say, but I'm gonna just edge over to Liam's side and say that of course Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Yeah. He made Monique's dreams come true even more so than when she won an Oscar just a couple years afterwards. <laughs> and frankly has seemed to have done nothing since then. Have you been on her IMDb page? Uh, nothing she she has, she actually now she has a podcast about being in an open relationship. What? <laughs> I, guess, I guess things didn't work out with Dr. Tunde Jonathan. That's really sad now that I think about it. But uh <laughs> But my man Godfrey is in there, and maybe she was wanted to get a piece of Akibo as well. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to talk about the movie that we've all been waiting to talk about. <laughs> it's 2014's Chicks Dig Gay Guys. And we're going to get right on that in just a minute. Comedy set in the world of two pickup artists that is centered on the trouble they get into through the lies they tell. 
That very vague description sort of describes 2014's Chicks Dig Gay Guys, written and starring Nathan Anderson. He's the brains and brawn behind Chicks Dig Gay Guys, ostensibly a comedy that might be one of the most unpleasant experiences I've had in recent memory, but also baffling. The fact that in 2014, which is when this was made, that they thought that this was a good idea, that somebody thought, you know what would be funny is pretending that I'm gay and then tricking women into sleeping with me because they're going to feel comfortable because they don't think sex is a possibility, but then they're, of course, going to have sex with me because I'm so irresistible because I'm this fucking asshole. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm getting, I'm overflowing a little on my thoughts on Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Um, as I mentioned, Chicks Dig Gay Guys was written and <laughs> stars or uh, co-stars Nathan Anderson. There's an interview with Nathan Anderson from 2014 over on brobible.com. And they ask him this story. They say, what's the story behind Chicks Dig Gay Guys? How did the aha moment occur collectively between you and your friends? Was there particularly long dry spells? Which, by the way, dry spells is such a bro fucking thing to say. He says, his response, it was really more of a dry night. Yeah, because, you know, this guy doesn't have, uh, sorry. <clears throat> I was out with a few friends and it was a full house, but not the good kind. The kind where it's so packed that you can't seem to get a word in with any girl because there's so many other guys trying to hit on them that they shut, they almost shut down and retreat to their group of friends. None of us were getting any play, and I knew we needed an edge, something that would set us apart from every other dude in that bar who was hitting on these chicks. I remembered how every time I saw a gay guy, he was always surrounded by women, and it hit me. If you're the gay guy, you're in. I instantly went for it by stopping three hotties in their tracks with a big, oh my god, these are the cutest shoes I've seen all like, like nobody here has any fucking style, right? I had never seen such an amazing response. It was the beginning of a wild period in my life, a human being said those words. He was being interviewed. He knew that the person was going to write down what he said. And he thought that people would read that and be like, I want to see a movie about this piece of fucking shit. And then he made it. And it's called Chicks Dig Gay Guys. And it's awful. And it's not funny. And it is super offensive. And also, I hate myself for having watched it. Liam, let's start with you. What did you think? Of 2014's Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Uh, I, honestly, I also hate you for having watched this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, it's bad in so many ways. I mean, first of all, if you're going to make this like, so there's a, there, you know, you're going to sit down, you're going to watch a movie called Chicks Dig Gay Guys. The best case scenario is you hope someone's writing the movie who, I don't know, knows someone who's gay or at least has gotten the memo like, you know, like the hard F is like not cool. Like you shouldn't probably drop that the whole movie. And you should probably have like one character who's not a giant stereotype. And, you know, when you are being gay, you could just be gay. You don't have to like put on this whole act and wear crazy clothes. And no, 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 no. This is like. So uh, in ev- not maybe not every way, but in many ways, it's offensive. Then it piles onto its offensiveness, horrible writing, horrible acting. There's not a funny moment. The whole movie, like I, I didn't, I, I there wasn't even like a giggle. There was no like, oh okay, yeah, no, that's that's all right. And then it's like the corniest, sappiest, like that total romantic comedy of like, 
oh, I know I've been lying to you, but guess what? Your boyfriend lies even more. That's why you should love me. <laughs> you should love me because I'm slightly less of a liar than your current love interest. It's, I like that. Ugh. It seems like he saw the Bronson Pinchot character from Beverly Hills Cop and decided that's what gay guys are like. Oh, exactly. That's what they'll, yeah. be, that's what they'll be like in this movie. All it of is, them. No, no exceptions. And women, by the way. They're so dumb. They're sheep. So They're dumb. so fucking, right? So all you need to do, here's this one step, and because all people are exactly the same, and we can split them in these gendered categories, which are so easy to, like, you just need to hack the system, right? Yeah. And, oh, man, gay guys are always surrounded by women. Every single gay guy I've ever seen always have women, and they're just waiting to jump on that guy's dick. That's what they want, right? Because they're non-threatening. Maybe because gay guys are not raping women all the time. Maybe. Maybe they're not bros like this piece of shit. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little heated. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> yeah, what did you think of Chicks Dig Gay Guys? Well, when, I mean, I saw the title and I immediately was like, this is just the next step in my life path, right? <laughs> <laughs> what I had to do. And it, I was blown away that it was 2014 because I remember there was that kind of, um, in the late 90s, when there was kind of like those American Pie type movies, gross out sex comedies, sure. there'd be that scene where two girls were about to kiss and the, the two guys would be watching and they'd say no we're not gonna kiss until you guys would kiss and the <laughs> level of gross out they'd be like whoa no way and one of the friends would be no let's make out and then the girls would make out and i mean the late 90s is not that long ago but also a long time ago right. this movie was still that and I feel like the movie at its core is not a sellable concept because it's both too gay and not gay enough. Yeah. It it both, I feel like he was pitching it as, no, it's a movie for straight guys and it's a movie for gay guys. And it is both neither because no straight guy, like the demographic 19, 20 year old college guys, they're not going to pay to own a DVD with the word gay in the title. And gay guys aren't going to watch this movie because it's, it's, I, I, not even offensive to gay guys. It's offensive to humanity in yeah. general. It's offensive to people who watch movies. It's offensive to cinema. I mean, e yeah. even the straight relationship, he doesn't realize he has something better with this girl because her boobs aren't big enough. Like, that's an emotional point. That's not even a point for humor. That's an actual emotional beat in the film. Oh, I actually care about this girl, but I didn't know because her boobs are small. Yeah. Oh, I yes. miss that. Well, look, my favorite part of this movie, and it's something I've been thinking about since watching it, is the villain of this movie is the boyfriend of the other leads. Um, okay, so there, there are two friends. There's the asshole who wrote this movie and his friend who's kind of a nicer guy. Ostensibly, he's supposed to be nicer. He wants to develop a relationship with this girl, but she has a boyfriend. And that boyfriend is an asshole. He's a jock, right? So we're supposed to hate him. And he is a uh, douchey, bro, frat, fuckface. Here's the thing. The lead guy, who isn't the nice guy, he's also a douchey fuckface, who is exactly the same kind of asshole as that guy, but we're supposed to like one and not like the other, and I don't know why, right? I don't see the difference between the two. They're both complete pieces of fucking shit, and... One is just is just kind of more violent in his shittiness, while the other one is more kind of sexually deviant in his shitty, shittiness. And that might have flown in 1978 if he was played by uh, John Belushi, but it does not fly in 2014. And that guy is not John Belushi. 
um, he's Jim Belushi. <laughs> so I really, I just could not. And also, the asshole frat fuckhead guy, he's such, like, he's even worse of a stereotype, or at least equally as bad a stereotype, as how they're trying to present gay people in this movie. By the way, I shouldn't say gay people. Strictly gay guys. Yeah. Who are who all act and look exactly the same. And it is, man, the levels of offensiveness in this movie are actually a little out of control. What was your favorite moment of the movie, Dave Cave? Oh boy, I think um, I think one of my favorite movie moments, and I actually laughed at this. You know what? I'm going to take it back. I I did laugh at a point <laughs> at some of the quotes that they said. It was the part where he was at home with those two girls. Because I, I was thinking, like, if he's claiming that he's getting laid, pretending to be gay, it's like, we better see that happen or else I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, right. I know. Because when he started mentioning, like, it's totally working, I thought we better at least have a scene where that process of getting the girl. And so I was very happy the payoff was there. So he's in bed with these two girls. And they have a transaction of dialogue that actually, we're seeing it written on the page is just like this really big thematic idea and the guy the douchebag guy says human touch is so important and then one of the girls says it feels so good to lay with someone without the pressure to have sex and i thought that's so oddly beautiful to have in place in this movie and i thought those two concepts of human touch being important and like laying with someone without having sex i thought what you know what? That's right. And that's actually a really healthy view about sexuality sandwiched into this movie. And I laughed at that. And then what happened? Oh, then he had anal sex with her. <laughs> he said he had to have anal sex with her because that's all he knew. And let, to... maybe I'm revealing a bit too much about myself, but nobody, if you start the night not planning to have anal, you, you don't change your mind that quickly. <laughs> Well, this guy did. <laughs> In fact, let me go back to that interview that I was referring to earlier with the writer and co-star Nathan Anderson. Nathan Anderson was asked about uh, whether whether it comes from a deceitful place to pretend that you're gay and then not actually be gay. He was asked, does anyone ever get pissed? He said, only the bros whose girlfriends were running to dance with me. The best part is that you look like such an asshole when you hate on a gay dude. The more they got pissed, the more all the girls jumped to my defense. I've never had girls literally fighting over me. It was incredible. And now going back to what you were just saying, Dave. After dancing and having a blast with these chicks all night, you end up back at their place and it always leads to, I wish you weren't gay and all the fun guys are gay. When that happens, you know you're in. Pick your poison. One of my favorites that worked nine times out of ten was, I've just never met a girl who could give head like a guy. Boom goes the dynamite. Before you can finish the sentence, they're trying to prove you wrong. Wow. So what that means, by the way, this movie has a <sighs> completely unbelievable. <laughs> this movie has a completely unbelievable, but you know, sort of cute ending in that the bad guy he loses his girl. The uh, again, ostensibly the good guy gets the girl. Everyone is happy at the end. But that's the movie. In real life, he just did this and never learned any lessons. And never came clean to any of the people he fucked. And he was just the bad guy and continued to be and then made a movie about it. That's that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. That is a tough 
pill to swallow. And I would, Liam, what? <laughs> Sorry, expect you. Oh, did. no, I was just going to say that. I would also argue that it, it's so confusing because he's on the cover and he, but I wouldn't, he's not the main, halfway through the movie, no. he stops being the main character. That is true. That is absolutely the case. I mean, because he's got to take a back seat because he can't learn anything. Because in real life, he never learned anything. I, I thought, I honestly thought, and this was almost the only way that this could have been kind of saved, that there was going to be a realization, like, because he starts out the movie as being such a bro, right? And and I thought that he was going to come to the realization that he was gay the whole time. Oh, I was hoping that, yeah. Right, because that would almost justify everything that happens. It's just that this was something that was actually inside himself all along, and he was kind of finding an excuse to kind of push himself into mm. that lifestyle. And But no, he is just garbage. Liam, what was your favorite moment of the movie? Well, I mean, let's expand this garbage thing even more. The only the only thing that could maybe be okay is if the movie also took the opportunity to say, oh, and maybe you should be less mean to gay guys, especially since one of the characters who, like, is a hero character is one of these stereo- walking stereotypes. But no, like, that d- the bro dude says awful things, like truly awful things the whole movie. But there's not only that, I think we're ignoring the fact that um, bad bro, you know, so there's good bro, who's the hero bro, mm-hmm. then there's bad bro. Bad bro's friend, multiple gay jokes. In fact, yes. part of the suggestion is that the guy's friend is gay. So the only thing you could possibly say is like, well, you know, maybe they didn't make anyone look bad. But they even, you know what I mean? Like, the minimum you could ask is that. But it's like, no, not only are we not really gay, but those guys who don't think they're gay they might be actually gay. Oh my God, wouldn't that be gross? Wouldn't that be awful? That would be so gross. Let's panic. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it was, oh, it made me so mad. So uh, honestly, I mean, I want to say that my favorite part of the movie was the very brief uh, cameo by Eric Roberts, which is funny because I think he's like second build in the beginning of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And he's only in the movie for like two seconds. But I actually didn't like that. Like, I, it's it should be the one reprieve from an all otherwise horrible movie, but even that I thought, yeah, it's this is dumb. I don't like this. Like there's anyway, the one, the one legitimately gay character in this movie. He then tries to rape one of the guys pretending to be gay, right? But it, it was just all a big misunderstanding because gay guys they can't control themselves. Yeah, they just gotta have sex with another guy who's gay, <laughs> which is why you should be scared about having them in the bathroom with you. Yeah, right. And there was yeah. also I in that tent. I can't believe this is even a scene we're talking about, but the tense <laughs> dildo rape scene during the camp thing, which is, I don't know, maybe a call back to the Brokeback Mountain because that was also in a tent. But I- I'm surprised no one brought up Brokeback Mountain in this movie. You think that would have been the most, you know, kind of base, lame joke that they could make? I think the writers were so homophobic that they didn't even want to bring it up. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But I also noticed there was ho- literally horror music playing when yeah. the, the actual gay guy and this is this is the guy who's who when he introduces himself to the other gay guys he pinches their nipples yeah yes. Every, everyone's okay with that yeah it's oh god and well and then and then the character who we're supposed to like he's supposed to be the likable of the two assholes at the center of this movie he basically says look i'm not gay this is all a big put on to try to fuck this girl who you're friends right. with, and the gay guy's like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's, he thinks it's sweet. That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. What the fuck is going on in this movie? Oh, I, right, my good friend that you've been trying to, you know, trick into having sex with you, she's totally okay, going to be okay with this. 
Yeah, there's a lot of weird, like, the theme of consent, because also the nice guy's ex-girlfriend comes back, and he's drunk, and she has sex with him anyways. Yes, or tries to. But I did notice, I did appreciate this, that at one point, the jock, the scary jock boyfriend who thinks he's a wolf sometimes, he says to the the fake gay guy, (laughs) he says at one point, because the douchebag fake gay guy tries to touch the jock, and the jock says, don't ever touch me again. And he doesn't. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of nice. That was the one consent. And it was interesting what you said, Doug, about that character learning anything, because there is this one brief second where the nice guy of the two bros is like, well, you don't realize you have a real thing with whatever that character's name was. Uh, and But you notice by the end of the movie, they never tie that up. He just no. like he realizes like, yeah, you, you're right. I probably do like that girl. And then they have a conversation and the 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 climax of his emotional realization is being like, you have to give me a lot of blowjobs. Yes, that's that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's the climax. That's the oh, he has come around as a human being because. And she says, "Okay," and that's it. Okay, I guess they're set for life. Yeah. Uh so Eric Roberts is in this movie. <laughs> Poor Eric Roberts. the The sequence involves our two bro characters. They're out at a bar and they encounter a woman who uh, basically is interested in the nicer of the two bros and hates the asshole. But uh, in order to uh, complete the deal with the nice guy, she says she'll have a threesome with them. So they all go to her house. And of course, her husband comes home and her husband is Eric Roberts. And Eric Roberts then has sex with the woman while those two other guys, the two bros, are under the bed. And that is the scene. And that is the entire, like literally like a maybe like a three-minute sequence that's all the Eric Roberts you're going to get in this movie. <laughs> However, Dave Cave seemed to suggest that he was a much bigger fan of Eric Roberts in this movie than in Fat Girls. So let's hear your thoughts on Eric Roberts in Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Well, I, I didn't do too much research in this movie. So I thought because he was, <laughs> I made the gross misunderstanding that because he was second build, he had have a, oh, I don't know, a name and a plot. Oh, Dave. Oh, I know. Dave. <laughs> I, I'm new to this. When he... I noticed he's a recurring thing. His tie matched his shirt, which was similar to the other movie. Mm. Um, But when he took off his pants, and I noticed his wife did this earlier on the stairs, they both unbuckled their pants till it goes halfway down the waist and just shake their hips back and forth until the (laughs) pants fall down on their own. And I did... I did like a frame by frame CSI research to see oh. if we saw any of Eric Roberts anything, and we did mm-hmm. not. Oh, but the fact, like, I, I mean, I could talk forever about the sounds he makes during the sex scene <laughs> and what he says. It's a very strange sex scene because it's shot in a way that really does look like he's just kind of. He's just kind of hitting against her with his hips, but it in no way seems to reflect actual sex. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's well. He gets choked. He does get choked right before he comes loud enough that yeah. it is able to distract him, so the two guys could run out from under the bed without being. Noticed. I mean, he does again with the consent thing. He does ask to be choked. Yes, he does. Though he does kind of get into sex mode with uh, in a kind of aggressive way without seeing if she's okay with it. But that's probably as good as you're going to get in this movie. It it it, se- it seemed routine. And the other thing about that scene that I really didn't like is that they're under the bed, and he goes he the douchebag guy 
has a sandwich. <laughs> and they're having a full volume conversation under the bed. And one uh-huh. one thing he said, and I'm sure the sex is great and a distraction, but I would notice a conversation under my bed. <laughs> and at one point, the main the douchebag guy goes, um, he goes, my life is falling apart. Like, your life is up until this point, he's been like, he has a job, he's partying, he's he is getting girls, even though he claims that he's going through a dry spell. Yeah. His life, yeah, his life is not people, falling apart. People seem to find him weirdly endearing. And also, like, when it shows him hitting on women, he does it in the fucking worst way, right? Just coming up to a line of people waiting at a bar and, like, going to every woman and saying, are you down to fuck? Are you down to fuck? I mean, talk about the worst person in the world. Yeah. But ironically... Yeah that behavior in a gay bar is welcome and it does work. Well, maybe this movie is just trying to point out the double standard of the lifestyle. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Chicks Dig Gay Guys? I mean, uh, I do appreciate that he was getting choked. Like, I, I kind of thought like, oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat detail. Um, but no, it's, it is one, I, I mean, we're obligated. We took a blood oath. We have to do this. I have so much compassion for the diehard Eric Roberts fan who thought, you know, this is one of the few Eric Roberts movies I haven't seen. I'll pop this in. This will be fun. And we're treated to just a stupid gag that, again, doesn't it doesn't work. It's, Admittedly, Liam, if this is one of the few Eric Roberts movies they haven't seen, that's true. Then they they've already plumbed the depths severely. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean? Like it's not like we've seen some movies where we're like, oh, that's all the Eric Roberts are going to get. But he's on the bottom of the, you know, second dude, second billing. Like I don't know that I, I I guess my other uh, cynicism when it comes to movies that do this is that is Eric Roberts that big a draw that you had to trick everyone into thinking he's in your movie more? You know, like, if they had conned Sylvester Stallone into this movie and he's only in the movie for five minutes, I'd be like, well worth it. I get it. I get it. You you needed that name to get anyone to see your movie. What, people were lining up to see Chicks Dig Gay Guys because of Eric Roberts' name? Like, I just don't think that's real. It gives it that little extra bit of class. No. To say, honestly, it has to do with, to a certain extent, what other name could there possibly be? No, that yeah, for that exactly, price, right? exactly. It worked for us. Yeah. We watched it. That's right. That uh. is exactly <laughs> right. We were suckered in, so who knows who else might be suckered Fuck. in. Eric Roberts, maybe Daryl Hannah's in this movie as well. Maybe there'll be an appearance by Mickey Rourke, but no. Oh, God. We got two minutes of Eric Roberts, um, and he, we did see his, his, his cum face. Oh, um, yeah. So that's nice. So that's something we got out of it. But otherwise, I have to say, this might be controversial. I didn't really dig that Chicks Dig Gay Guys movie. (laughs) Didn't enjoy it. Didn't have a good time with it. But that does bring us to the most important part of the conversation, starting with you, Dave Cave. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Chicks Dig Gay Guys? In this movie, uh, I'm going to – yeah, yeah. And I'll even quote him during a sex scene and say, fine, fine. <laughs> I I don't know what else he was saying, but I think he was just saying fine. I'm fine. This is fine. <laughs> Maybe that's a safe word. Uh Liam, what did you think? Um fucking men? No. <gasps> no. The deuce you said. What? I I no. I didn't like I just thought it was sti- I guess it's you know uh, if you put a little bit of avocado in a shit sandwich, it's not going to make it any better for me. I, I, this, is, 
This was too. You know, this, avocado is extra. I know. This is just. This was just too bad, and the scene was too stupid, and I just was already. I had already turned on this movie by the time we even got to this scene, and this is what like fifteen <laughs> minutes into the movie. So I don't know. No, I got. I got to go with no on this one. Well, I'm going to come. <laughs> Yeah. As is my preference, somewhere in the middle, <laughs> leaning towards Dave Cave. And I'm going to say that, of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man, but he is not in a fucking great movie here. He is in a horrific, offensive, ignorant, shitty piece of shit shit. And I cannot stress enough how you should not watch this movie. However, if you are going to watch it, just then put on this podcast and agree with us, agree with everything we just said, because believe me, there's no other reason. There's no other good reason to watch Chicks Dig Gay, gay, Guys. It is bad, bad, brutally bad, and you don't even get very much Eric Roberts, so what's the point? <sighs> anyway, that, that is all there is. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we will talk to Dave Cave, and then we'll see what Liam is doing, and then we'll say goodbye. Be back in just a moment. <laughs> These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. David Hoffner, he works in my dad's store. He's worked here for 12 years. He'll probably work here for more. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Dave Gord, I've known since I was six. Ingrated, he broke his leg, so we got drunk and sick. 2006's Fat Girls and 2014's Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Yes, featured all that and more on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, episode number 25. I want to say thank you for joining us today, Dave Cave. You know, this is the first time that we've ever had a conversation. In fact, I really didn't know what to expect, but you've been a delight and you've been able to contribute to the conversation and really did add to the flames of hate that I had towards the two movies today. Well, thank you. As I, I mentioned, I mean, I, I love bad movies and I love, um, I love, I love them better than, I, I don't like good movies. I went to see the, the Revenant in theaters by accident. <laughs> no, thanks. How, how was it an accident? Um, well, I, I didn't know what, it, I wanted to go to the movies and I wanted to see some, I don't know, it was some Tracy Morgan comedy, and I wanted to go see that. My friend, he was like, oh, no, that's supposed to be really bad. Let's go see The Revenant. And I had no clue what The Revenant was. Um, had I known it was going to be three hours of Leonardo DiCaprio breathing. <laughs> hey, hey, he slept in an animal for that movie. He's, I was, I, I wanted him gone. I was, I was just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was awful. Well, if, if it's any consolation... I think he had a really hard, unpleasant time making that movie. <laughs> Great. Which we know because he mentioned it in every interview leading up to his inevitable Oscar win. Well, I, I mean, I felt I felt like I was just as much doing an endurance trek watching right. it. So, mm -hmm. In fact, it seems like you, Dave Cave, should have gotten an award. Where can people find your work, Dave? What are you doing? <laughs> How can people... Find what you're doing. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. I know. I don't have Facebook and Twitter. No, you don't have Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm aware. I got it. It's, it's, it's a very conscious decision. Um, I figured it had to be. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I, I used to have it, but I just I, I lost my mind, especially as a comedian. I feel like everyone's just in that 
big race towards that one thing. And it's, it, it works for some people. I know it's legitimate. I'm not saying that it's not a real thing, but I just, I, I can't, I can't stand it. I can't be on there all the time. Um, but that's just as a comedian, I think that pressure of like to be funny every day, I just, I, I can't do it. I don't know what it is. It stresses me out. I, I, I can absolutely understand why that might be the case. Um, but you can, I was going to say this, Gonna have I have a op- I run and produce an open mic night here in Lindsay, but Lindsay Ontario Canada, <laughs> Lindsay Ontario Canada, uh, which is actually happening tomorrow. But I think you can probably get more information at uh, lindsaylittletheater.com. Um, and I have a show coming up in Peterborough. Maybe oh god, I sound like a flake now. Nothing's worse than like oh, I might be doing something. Well, what you can do, Dave, is you can send me along any information you have about your upcoming shows, and I'll put them in the show notes so people can check them out themselves. Okay. 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 Yeah, but pretty much... Uh... This isn't my first rodeo, Dave Cave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think anyone who would listen to you on this episode realize how funny and interesting and smart you are. Oh, and, of course, I want to check out your work, and hopefully we can have you back on again, Dave Cave. Yeah, I, I hope... That there are more movies just as because I, I don't I won't I don't want to do a serious movie. I will say, Dave, that a couple of d- uh, days ago, uh, Liam was skeptical about these movies that we were covering on the show. And uh, I said, look, Dave wants to watch these two movies that nobody is going to want to watch. <laughs> So this is great that we have Dave Cave here to cover fat girls and chicks dig gay guys because no one is ever going to pick them otherwise. Oh, please give me give me the worst, the worst. Oh, oh, <laughs> believe it or not, it gets worse. Okay, <laughs> that's the message of today's episode. Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. What, where can people find the shit that you do, like that Cinepunks thing and all that green room horse shit? <laughs> so, uh, Cinepunks, uh, Cinepunks is uh, punks with an X. I think people get confused. <laughs> they think I'm just pronouncing it funny or something. So, c i n e p u n x dot com. Uh, there's a lot of writing there. There's uh, various podcasts, including the Cinepunks podcast, um, but also Hard Business and Lab Fast Philly. Uh, and you can also find me posting at my Twitter, uh, Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. Um, Did you take that Z from Fat Girls? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was very influenced by Fat Girls in everything I do. Uh, and I also want to mention, you know, uh, the tickets are on sale for This Is Hardcore Fest for those who care about that sort of thing, uh, August 4th through 7th. Um, they're selling pretty quick, so you guys should come out. It's going to be pretty good. If you like punky hardcore music, you're going to want to be there. You always say punky, and it always makes me want to jump out a window. I like it. I feel like that does piss off a lot of punks if you say punky. Yeah, because it sounds like Brewster. You know, that's what I'm picturing in my head. I'm not picturing. Well, I have punky reggae parties with my friends on a regular <laughs> basis. Sure. And, and I don't think that you should be so down on where your culture comes from. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can find my writing over at DailyGrindHouse.com. And of course, you can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man at EricRobertsIsTheMan.com. Please subscribe. We're also just recently been added to Google Play Music Podcast, something involving those words. You can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. And also there's a Facebook group if you want to look up Eric Roberts is the man get a little behind the scenes info and you can also suggest movies for us to cover which we may or may not listen to because hey guests get to choose but we're running out of the really well-known ones in fact we did it a while ago so you're going to be seeing a lot of strange stuff coming up in the upcoming weeks 
Dave, do you have anything final to say to the people out there? I would like to um, end with a quote that uh, I can't remember his main character, the douchebag and Chesca dig gay guys. When he raised a glass, <laughs> I would like to raise a metaphoric glass to both of you and say, here's to women who like wine, because women who like wine like to fuck. <laughs> That really says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. Good good night, everybody, from Liam, from Dave, and from myself. We'll be back in two weeks. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man.